Ladies and gentlemen and non-binary pals, people of all colors, shapes, sizes, and creeds. Welcome one. Welcome all. We here at SockToMakePeopleSexy.net are proud to gather here with you once again in glorious celebration, despite the world burning down, <laughs> <laughs> of the absolute best in gaming in the last 365 days that all of that had to offer not only for your good pals right here at the SoxCast, but from you fine listeners at home and oh my god did y'all turn out this time around holy crap we got we got so much we got li- we got lists we like we cannot hold these lists it's that meme image of a guy holding yep. things <laughs> it's all three of us with 10 lists each <laughs> and we just can't fucking hold them uh so welcome to day one where we will be going over our personal picks entries 10 through 6 and this year has blessed us with another amazing haul of listener lists that we will be absolutely chomping at the bit to get to so again thank you to everyone in advance that took the time to get us one we we have a record number of lists this year it is 27 oh boy so all in all, that's thirty lists counting us. So we we got that's a true. lot we got a lot to get to, and we should not dilly dally around to my immediate virtual right. Don't look down, shove it in your mouth. It's Rhett! Hi. Hey. Hey, you are recording, right? I am absolutely recording. Okay. We didn't actually clarify that before we started. No, I, it, I'm I am a consummate <laughs> professional. Okay. Uh, Rhett, I'll have you know. I've recorded over 130 podcasts in my day. Mm-hmm. We do stream these now, though, so you might get a little. Well, used I, to I, I stream and record at the same time. Okay. So, so it, it it always gets it's always taken care of. I'm a consummate professional. I'm going to jinx myself by saying that I've had the, the the honor of having never lost a podcast. I might have buried an episode <laughs> of the podcast in the past. We, we record <laughs> there is there is a lost Metal Gear Solid spoiler cast yeah. that was recorded that I said, man, this is bad. Oh boy, everybody's just oh. talking and nobody stops talking and oh my god, I'm deleting this. This is never getting out. Uh, Red, are you ready for like the biggest year and game work. of the year that we've ever had? I'm as ready as I'll ever be. Ready as you'll ever be. It's all thanks to Red that all of this got organized as well. He's the one that took care of getting the lists together, keeping them uh, together, getting them divvied up between the three of us so that everything sounds great. So, so a big... Special round of applause no. for, our, for our good pal Rhett for taking Thank care you, of all that for us. Thanks, Rhett. It's always it's always a pleasure. You. We appreciate you <laughs> taking care of all of this tedious, busy work. I mean, when we started doing these, it wasn't that much of a project, and now it's like, oh my god, they keep coming in. They keep, Polly, they keep coming they, in. They won't stop. They were literally coming in at twelve at the buzzer. o'clock. Yeah. So at the buzzer, at the buzzer, we received. Uh, we received a bit of an interesting entry um, from, uh, fr- fr- from I-, I don't know how to pronounce this at all, so I'm going to butcher it. But it's from somebody named ZblayY7K. Uh, they sent me a Mega Man 5 review. <laughs> and look, the sentiment is great. I appreciate that you took the time. Uh, and I'll probably just put this on the site as a review. None of us want to read that whole thing. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
it's, it's twice as long as any other list. It's twice as long as any other list, and it does qualify more as a singular video game review. So I tell you what, tell you what, at some point I'm going to put this up on the site for you. You will be immortalized at the very least. So thanks for that at the buzzer. It's very much appreciated, but unfortunately, I don't think that's Game of the Year material. Just in this one unique, weird edge case. But you will be on the site, I promise. And to my immediate virtual left, to my immediate virtual left, he's still deciding if he wants to completely destroy the Game of the Year podcast this year. (laughs) It's John Thayer. Hi. Hey. Still, uh, still working. I don't out. think so. Not this time. You, you, you think you can? Uh, Not keep this it, time. Think you can keep it in your pants this time? If I do it every year, it's going to get stale. Yeah. I really want to just. I want. I want to. I want to lull y'all into a false sense of security, and the next year just completely wreck everything again. <laughs> he thinks there's going to be a next year. That's real cute. <laughs> uh, but you're you're ready for things. You're ready for this whole thing that we're going to be sitting here doing for the next 12 hours of our life. Strap in. Sure am. Get yourself comfy. Got all these other lists. We got got so many lists to get through, so get yourself comfy. Get yourself a snack. This is just the first part. Uh, So, seeing as our listeners are like kind of the biggest part I think they're yeah. the most important. We love them very much. They're the reason that we do what we do. We like to we like to bring a little happiness to their lives. And seeing as they came out in full force this year, I think it's more than appropriate that we start the festivities with a couple of listener lists before we get to our own. So, Rhett, I understand that you, yep. you want to kick things off. Uh, I have a list here from Taylor. So I, I, gen- I generally do all the lists in pretty random order. Mm-hmm. But I think I pretty much always put Taylor first because hers are very short. <laughs> yeah. So they're very fun to just knock them out real quick. So right, let's right. Do just this very succinct and to the point. Yeah. Okay, number one, WWE 2K20. I know it had a rough start after months of constant patching it. Finally, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that's, in, that's in the email. So here are the actual three games with no blurbs. Very short and to the point. Okay, okay. Danganronpa 2, Final Fantasy VII Remake, Middle-Earth Shadow of War, Taylor. Okay, okay. that's solid. That's some solid three games. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we've got ourselves another listener list. John, Mm -hmm. why don't you give it to us? Um, This is Bab Scribbins' Gaudy List. So number number three, Yakuza Like a Dragon. Yakuza 7 is absolutely helped by having played others, but I only have one under my belt and felt right at home in the world already. While lots of people were turned off by the change to RPG systems, I think they fit right into the series' wacky sensibilities, being explained in-universe by Ichiban Kasuga's overactive imagination and adoration for the Dragon Quest series, which has heavy influence in every single aspect of the game. If you like Yakuza, Dragon Quest, or both, this is a must-play. Number two, Castlevania Dawn of Sorrow. Having never actually played a Castlevania game before this year, despite my love of Metroidvanias, I played about six of them through quarantine times. Dawn of Sorrow came out on top as my personal platonic ideal of a Metroidvania, and my definite pick as a recommendation for the series. Number one, Eichenfell. Without a question, my game of the year. A great RPG with tactic-style combat and unique action commands, a supremely relatable story, massive queer representation, and an absurdly powerful soundtrack from Ivy and Surashu. It has some incredibly minor issues, but for every negative point I could give it, I'd give it a dozen positives. I absolutely cannot 
possibly recommended enough. Please play I Can Fell. Or you can tell. Mm, yep, yep. I've got that on my two playlists. That game looks super, super, super good. Yakuza, like a dragon. Yep. Like I absolutely yep. like I, I'm really I need, excited for that game. I need to play that. It looks so yep. absurd. <laughs> on the main thread for that yep. game on Donald Reset Soros Era. The Yakuza Soros was my first Igavania. I it nice. On the forum the Yakuza thread is called Like a Dragon Quest. <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny. It's pretty good. Oh my god! I realized, I I'm up now. You're you're up now, Red. This isn't just all listener lists. This is not all listener lists. It's not oops, all listener lists. You weep, uh, weep because Red, you're, you're gonna pop the why, cherry. Let's go. Why, why did I give my? I usually do John first. Yeah. Why did you? <laughs> because I was so unconfident in my top ten this year. Oh no. Well, let's talk so, about it, Red. Oh, what is okay. your number ten? So I wrote a list in November that had 10 games on it. And then eight of them actually ended up on the final version. Oh, jeez. There were two spots that ended up getting swapped out for games that I just felt had to be on there. Because mm-hmm. I had kind of intentionally snubbed them. But then I was like, nah, you got to be had to be true to myself. Mm. So this yeah. game, it's not a good game. <laughs> it's my number yes, 10. That's good start. <laughs> I know it's going here. As it is number 10, it is both a 1 and a (laughs) 0. Because I could very easily sit here and tell you why Symphogear XD Unlimited is my game of the year. (laughs) But it is also a gotcha game, so fuck it. (laughs) And a shutdown. (laughs) This is the memorial 10th 10th spot on Rhett's list. I had to have this on here. Thank you, Rhett. Um... I didn't like the game portion of it. Like, it's just a gotcha that you just turn auto battle on and yeah. then tab away. Like, there's really no defending it. Right. But basically, I really enjoyed the story content in this game. And, like, right before they announced that it was shutting down, I'd realized the thing to do was just grind out the entire story at once mm-hmm. for a, a mission set and then just go back to the archive viewer and just read it like a visual novel. <laughs> So I did that for like the last four events and actually ended up having a really good time just treating it as a visual novel. Mm-hmm. And then the reason it really had to be on here is because there is still the Japanese version. And when I think about what game I thought about the most this year, oh, no. like it's this one by far <laughs> because the constant like bi-weekly updates to the Japanese version have kept the Simple Gear community alive and thriving well right. now a year after the show has actually ended mm. like this is definitely is kind of actually my most important game of the year <laughs> and keep and keeping us all hyped for new stuff right all of us all of us everywhere yeah, i go oh. everywhere i go people are like man i cannot wait for that new simple gear chapter to come out mm-hmm. i mean if you look at my timeline uh, that is very I mean, much okay. the vibe <laughs> when it's like they drop a new update i have like eight people on there Oh, yeah, did you see? Oh, my God, Evil Hibiki. Oh, my God, they're going to kill Evil Hibiki. Um, just, like, the nonstop discourse. <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. This, game, this is the game that makes me wish I had learned Japanese at some point in my life. Because it is fucking torture watching the Japanese version continue co- with constant updates and not being able to read them. Right. Oh, man. 
Oh. Also, they did some insane crossovers this year where they did a Nanaha one, a Tales of Symphonia one. That's so weird. That's such a weird pull. It's such a weird pull. Like, they just literally went for the Tales of Symphonia joke. Yeah. And then they just did a Gamera crossover, which, why fucking not at this oh, why point? Why not? Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love this game so much in concept, just not the actual playing part. So it's kind of ideal right now. Yeah. So that's my number 10. Perfect way to get things started. <laughs> Thank you, Rhett. Uh, John, what's your number 10? <clears throat> well, I've got a pretty controversial number 10. Uh, <laughs> After um, mine? Yep. Yeah. Um, my number 10 is Toho Luna Knights. Oh, dang. Oh. Gonna, gonna yeah. ruffle some feathers with that one. Jeez, talk oh, about controversial. <laughs> A game that everybody who plays it loves because it's just a really good, fun action game that's nice and makes me makes me happy. It's just extremely well made and every there's like no flaw basically. Yeah, I can't like there's nothing I can bitch about about that game. Yeah, it's just really good. I yep. played it. Yeah, um, I, I did the same thing Polly did, which was that I 100 percent it. Mm-hmm. Like within like a couple settings, just like playing it nonstop and even even doing all the little running around and exploring and be and finding all the things. Um, and then I got the boss rush and then I beat the boss rush in one life and I felt very cool yeah. and it was very nice. Um, I beat the extra stage too, which is extremely fun. The extra stage is so good. Yeah. Extra stage my, is so good. And that my, extra boss too, that extra boss gets added to the boss rush. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Yeah, my one flaw in this game yep. is that when I came back to it a couple months later, the extra boss was like, no, nah, I think I'm good. Oh, <laughs> Once I yeah. saw the second form, it's, I'm good. It's it's a monster. Oh, it's so worth it. Oh, it's so fun. Oh, boy. Yeah, I, I literally was like, beat the game in two sittings, and then third sitting was, all right, let's learn this boss. <laughs> um, just game. extremely rewarding, extremely fun. I love Sakia. I love the ESOD cast. Um, yeah. That was my first Oho game. Um, and the time stop stuff just feels so fucking good. And before you can really see any of the seams in it, it's the game's over. So you're fine. Yeah. yeah. Like how did they make the, that? Like, like you just got to think of how overpowered Sakuya's powers are. How did they still make a game out of that? That's still fucking fascinating and challenging. Just like, it's so smart. It's so well done. Just adore it. Yep. Polly. Yo, got number, number 10. 10. My number 10 comes to us courtesy of one Thomas the Jetstorm 4. My number 10 oh, is Fire. My number 10 is Silas. Nice. So our good pal Thomas the Jetstorm 4 did something I think um very few RPG maker users ever do. Um he scripted, he Finished th- game. thought up, he dreamed big. <laughs> He shot for the stars, and he completed an honest-to-goodness long-form 20-plus-hour JRPG epic that is, like, a full playable game start to finish. And that achievement alone isn't, like, what put it on my list, but it's one of those things where it's just like, that just doesn't happen! People have, like, you've seen RPG Maker forums, you've seen RPG Maker Reddit, it's like, check out my demo! That's never going to be a game. <laughs> this is not just RPG Maker. This is almost everything. Look at my battle system. Look at my map. It's especially RPG Maker. It's, yeah, higher. it's just especially RPG Maker. Um, 
what does get this game onto my list, though, is the zeal with which it captures and 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 sort of pays homage to, but 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 it doesn't like copy a, a very sort of specific sector of JRPGs past, like. Um, Fans of, like, 90s and early 2000s Falcom storytelling will enjoy this, as well as people who really like working design's uh, flair for punching up their translations in ways that maybe weren't entirely faithful to the original, but made them real fun to read and gave them a lot more personality. (laughs) Uh, So if you're really into kind of, like, that grandiose kind of East-like storytelling... With with with, uh, with with some really punchy dialogue and a, a really good story just overall, um, you know, like, this is the game. Like, this game was just loved on top to bottom, and it shows um, the maps and the dungeon designs are just on point. Uh, the story takes you on this big, sprawling journey with characters that are fun to be around. And, like, if, if you are yearning for, like, a 90s RPG hit, that nothing's giving you, like I wholly recommend Silas. Uh, they, 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 this it, it's one of the few kind of throwback retro styled RPGs that I've played, where I get, I actually get transported back to that feeling and not just feel like somebody's trying to mimic it in some way. It, this obviously comes from somebody that understands. What made those games kind of feel the way they uh, feel and the way that they are? So yeah, that's my number ten. Silas, awesome. it's really good. Awesome. Yeah, oh, yeah. I played this one. I played this one too. I had a really nice time. I think that for me, the um, uh, there's there's a germ of like a really personal story kind of wrapped mm-hmm. in all of that very good classic RPG Absolutely. story. Absolutely. And I think that that speaks to how these kinds of classic story shapes and classic game shapes Mm -hmm. can be used to tell these sort of personal, um, intimate stories in a really cool way. That, that, that was a big takeaway for me. was like, Oh shit, these kinds of long form, you don't have to blow the whole thing wide open. You don't have to do a big deconstruction to, to nail that. You can just make a, you can tell a story using these shapes. That's really touching. Is uh, we are up to three on our shape count uh, this episode. <laughs> by the way, so. just putting that yeah, on the board. Yeah, just, yeah. just putting that on the board. That you said Paul, shape get... like five hundred times last year. You're gonna count all of them this year. You're playing a dangerous game. I'm playing playing a dangerous game. Absolutely, you're not wrong. We are up to three. It's good work. It is. You're not wrong, Joe. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck me entirely. Transcendent word. <laughs> Absolutely. You got to save that for the number one. There game. you go. <laughs> Such a transcendent shape of a joke. <laughs> now fuck you. Now fuck me. Now the joke's dead. Took it out back. Shot it in the back of the head. All right. So how about uh, another uh, listener list? I got one on deck for you if you would like. Ooh. This one comes from Soxcast artist Sayara. It's the best pal, Sayara. Hey. Sayara says, 
Good day! This is Sayara. I have returned to the surface once more to drop off this list of games I've consumed for your entertainment. There is no particular order for these. The first game listed is Animal Crossing New Horizon. While I have my complaints about being guilt-tripped into playing it more, it provided a really nice blanket of comfort during the first few months of total lockdown I went through at the beginning of this year, like most people I imagine. Yeah. Pa Poncho the Bear is the best villager. Number two on this what? list is Citus 2. A long time ago, I put Demo as Game of the Year choice because it mixed storytelling and a rhythm game. Well, Citus 2 has done this, but mixed in like a huge cast of characters in an interactive story played out as a message for, played out as a message forum service and actual game manipulation. Uh, it glitched my game out hardcore at one point as I, as I was playing. Also, it has a lot of music. Probably has a lot to do. You probably want a lot of music yeah. in your rhythm game, I think. It's probably <laughs> okay. a good thing to have. All right. And number three, Higurashi When They Cry. I don't know if it's fair to say that I played this one, but more so absorbed it through Polly's streams. But experiencing the story in these last six months, these last six some months, unlocked a whole lot of creativity out of me and pretty much broke any kind of misconception I had with the series. Anything that, like, Helped fuel over 18-something artworks out of me, and this barren wasteland of 2020 is worthy of the Game of the Year moniker. And he finishes off with, This year has been kind of butts, and I'll be glad that it's over. Thank you for everything the community has done to make this year a bit more survivable. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Born to art. World is a fuck. Never end 1983. I am trash, man. 410, 757, 864, 530, dead Sayara. This is the law of us, Sayara. <laughs> so, Red. Thanks, Sarah. Red, I think, yeah. you, I think you got another uh, listener list for us. I've got another one. This comes in from Nate. Hello, Nate. Okay. This one, this first blur is kind of funny. Mm. Uh, number three, Animal Crossing New Horizons. Mm. What started as a game I'm known to pick up for a few months and then put away became even more interesting as it slowly became an analogy for my rapidly de deteriorating relationship earlier this year. Oh, good. The more I would do and feel good about accomplishing, the more I had to take a break and wait for that lazy asshole to hopefully catch up so he wouldn't <laughs> yell at me. Truly, the most gratifying aspect of the game came when I dumped him and got the ability to reshape the train on my island, breaking it down to nothing and rebuilding it back up to something I was proud of. And had a point with a statue with boobs on it. There you go. Yeah. Number two, For the King. Ever wanted to play D&D &D and have a three-way simultaneously? Then, I, then do I technically have the game for you? <laughs> Three-player games never really caught on. You had the Cave and Battletoads and other games. But where this game excels is that it combines the planning needed for a D&D &D session with the turn-based strategy of a more traditional RPG. It's short, it's meant to be played multiple times to unlock everything, but it's a fun little di diversion that's quick to pick up and hard, sorry, mmm, so hard to put down. <laughs> and number one, Moon. Mm. If, the, if the English translation of okay. Moon had come out in 2019, it would have been my pick over so Schoolgirl Zombie Hunters. <laughs> Damn, that's some harsh competition. Oh, yeah, that, well, that was Nate's number one last year, I do remember that. Yep. 
It's a deconstructionist masterpiece that tries to humanize the parts of video games we take for granted instead of just pointing and going, oh, isn't that cliche? Anyway, back to doing the exact thing we just pointed out as being cliche. Do-do-do. <laughs> Moon is probably the greatest RPG of all time that I've played, and it's frustrating we didn't get an official English translation until now, so more people can experience this quirky RPG that's easy to pick up, put down, explore at your own pace. And I will put any of the goodwill I've left struggle suggesting you try this game. Oh, and embrace your own mor mortality or something. P.S. Take my advice. Go in blind. Have a great new year, and please don't die. Good, uh, good advice. Good we'll sentiments. We'll, yeah. we'll take that under advisement. I wonder how many times Animal Crossing, new Animal Crossing is going to show up. I'm excited. Hmm. That sounds like one that, yeah, I'm thinking I, I, about it now. Yeah, thinking about, thinking about our group, I can see this one coming up a lot. But that'll yeah. probably be the dark horse to watch here, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, so The Kindred Spirits of 2020. Oh, there you go, <laughs> obviously. So, Rhett! Back to so, you. as I mentioned earlier, I did an early November list mm -hmm. with 10 games, mm -hmm. and then only 8 of them ended up on the final list. Right. So, so these there last were two, two were just throwaway garbage. Well, they... They were kind of gunning for special spots. So basically, I had nine games, the eight and then Symphogear, that I really wanted on the list. And I, I was talking about this to you guys on Twitter. Like, yeah. I've got ten games for the ninth spot. Oh, boy. <laughs> and I was just looking at them. And I, said to my, and I said to John, like, which game do I want to talk about one more time? Mm. And it ended up being none of them. I looked at my overall get list of games I played one last time, and I saw this game sitting there, and I went, well, it kind of obviously has to be that. My number nine is Animal Crossing New Horizons. Son of a bitch. I didn't, I didn't <laughs> even do this on purpose. Oh, my God. I swear to God, I put the listener list in, in randomly, and just now I'm like, Oh, I, I picked, put two with Animal Crossing right in front of my floating Animal Crossing. Bitch. <laughs> that was just very funny timing with my comment. I didn't even right. didn't even do that on purpose. Yeah, we yeah, don't this, know each oh, other's lists going into this, so we don't. We had no idea. Boy, did I just have to bite my tongue when you guys were like, "Oh, I wonder if Animal Crossing is going to come up again." Yeah, you had to really bite your tongue there for that long twenty-five seconds. Yeah, I was just like, I almost started laughing though. <laughs> This game just had the per best release timing in history. Oh, absolutely. Like, holy fuck. <laughs> like, this this is a game that was not on my radar, like, whatsoever. <laughs> and then about a week into quarantine, I, I'm seeing it on Twitter constantly, and I'm like, hmm. yeah. Yeah, this, I should probably get that game, because I'm kind of losing my fucking mind right now. <laughs> like... <laughs> It was a game that was in the right place at the right time yeah. and helped me through a very scary time. Yeah. And I'm very thankful for that. <laughs> yep. Good. Did you got us through that scary time. And tarantula hunting? Yeah. You still tarantula hunting? <laughs> no, that's the thing. Once I went back to work, I was like, oh, I can't keep playing oh, this. Oh, we're done this with this. It's over. <laughs> that's the thing. I almost didn't put it on the list because once I was, like, over it, mm -hmm. I was over it, like, extremely hard. Mm-hmm. Like, someone made a video of, like, of, like, UI things that should have been in the game. Oh, and no. It, and it just fucking broke me, like, all the dumb... Like, I don't want to dump on it too much, because it is on my top right, ten. Right, obviously. But, like, but, yeah, like, Nintendo's terrible with UI shit. The UI stuff and the online is, yeah. like... The online is so hilariously bad in this game. 
Yeah. Like, literally two minutes to connect to a single person. It's ridiculous. I remember hosting, like, because I had, like, you know, 600 bell or whatever. Uh, turnips. The th- turnips, that's the thing. <laughs> and just getting them, like, 20 people would take, like, four hours. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, it was just like, yeah, this is just what I'm going to do. I'm just going to host all day. This is and my make, life. And I, and I got, like, 20 million bells and tips or something. Jeez. So I didn't have to think about money ever again. Yeah. But then I stopped playing. <laughs> yeah. You're rich, though. It was funny. Just like, wow, this is just, this really is just. But yeah, I mean, I kind of said my piece on that game. It was, it was a good thing when I needed it. Right. Cool. Cool. It's very, it's very cute. Like, yeah, I really it's... did enjoy it. Yeah. Like the main progression. I got, like, I got up to like them reviewing my house, like NS oh, rank. Oh, nice. Like. I did everything. And how do you it's, not love Isabel? She's not in it that much. That's the <laughs> that's, one unfortunate thing. Man, yeah, that's why you just play New Leaf, because she is all she is the face of New Leaf. Yeah, you're mostly dealing with Tom Nook in this one. Boo. I remember <laughs> Apparently Isabel like also doesn't listen to you. Like I complained about oh, one of the other islanders is giving me a dumb nickname. Can you talk to them? And like, she doesn't actually do anything. Shit, you do, do you do you look at her? Do you think she's one for confrontation? No, exactly. She's like, she's like, what do you, what do you mean you have a problem with the other villagers? Oh no, oh no, 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 uh, no, no, no! You don't. You don't have a problem. Everything's, Everything's fine. fine. <laughs> yeah, and then I'm pretty sure we're going to be seeing it on more listener lists. Oh yeah. Uh, so John. Do you have a number nine? Uh, yeah. It would be pretty weird if I didn't, Rhett. Yeah. I mean. Okay, okay, okay. You got I don't you know. I, there was a year that I didn't have a number 10. I mean, John didn't That's have a number three. one this year. That year. He, yeah, he uh, didn't have a game, a game of the year, weirdly enough, one year. You know, you, you could have put the Toho game at nine, though, if you wanted to be funny. That's a good point. <laughs> My number nine is Ocean Oi. Um, oh. Actually, Ocean Oi. Ocean Oi, and I'm going to go ahead and say and Atomoi. Um, these are both um, two RPG Maker combat experiments hmm. by my friend um, Sreka Lillian. Um, so Ocean Oi is the big one. It's like almost 90 minutes. It's just a, it is a gauntlet of fights in RPG Maker 2K. Yeah. Like 13 different battles um, with next to no story and hmm. four different characters that have completely different, like, verb sets and things they can do. Um, so with, like, Ocean Oi, there's, like, it's all about MP management, essentially. And you have, mo- char- different characters have moves that actually restore MP. So it's this push-pull of trying to manage your resources for your big attacks and your big heals. Um while also spending turns to get the resources for those heals. And the villain, the enemies you fight also have to manage their MP in order to attack. So before they can do big moves, you'll see them actually spend, um, use moves that say, oh, hey, I'm about to use a big move next turn. See, that's um, then, the part they- that blew me away, is that I didn't mm-hmm. realize you could do AI as complicated as that in RM2K. I've never seen it. Mm-hmm. It's really wild. Um, and I think you can actually manipulate enemy MP as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the thing that really kind of brings it all home for me is that the final boss is just completely buck wild. It goes really hard. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, 
there's no like real framing there's no real story so it's just like poetic imagery basically mm -hmm. while, while also being a really cool climax to these battles um i was just really really and, and some cool visual and musical cues uh, i was really impressed adam oye came out just recently um this one was much shorter it's only five battles in about a half hour but again a completely different set of um uh, abilities. One person basically just deals damage. One person basically just heals. One person basically just does buffs mm -hmm. or debuffs rather. Um, and all of them feel vitally important. And then again, the the villains you fight will do the same. Have a lot of the same um, uh, MP management stuff as well because mm -hmm. it's it's also similar. You. MP is a resource you spend moves to re, um, regain. Yeah. So it just they're just these really fascinating formal experiments in like I'm going to make a couple games that are just fights in RPG Maker and I'm going to make them as cool and balanced as possible. There's no like character progression. There's not mm -hmm. a ton of item management. Um, there's an item. There's items you manage in Oceanoi, but none in Atomoi. Um, it's just. It's just like a feast for me. I'm just like, oh yes, oh this is so many, so much good, <laughs> good shit for me. Um, Sreka wrote the most useful um, facets rundown of like anybody I, uh, that I've seen too. Just kind of digging into how the combat works, and I was like, oh, this is a lot of stuff I wasn't really thinking about. This is great, hmm. um, and I love their blog too. So yeah, Oceanoi, Ishio, um, give that a look. It's, um. T U N D I T U R hyphen U N D A dot H dot I O. Yeah. Um, I, that's my number nine. That's that good pick. Good pick. RPG more... Maker games are dope. They are being, I think we've already got some pretty good representation here. It was really Real amazing when that game showed up at the Game Awards. Yeah, I know. Crazy. Ago. Crazy. <laughs> um, I have played a metric shit ton of really cool RPG maker games by friends. This yeah. Year. This year has been real good for that. I've played, a, I've, pl I've played a good few of them myself and there's some good shit out there. I've, absolutely. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, Polly, what's your number nine? My number nine. Uh, this is, this is a game from the moment I pressed new game. Uh, I knew this game was going to be on the list. My number nine is final fantasy seven <laughs> remake. Hmm. Uh, so <laughs> that, that man, the, the the opening cinematic for this God. game. Just, yeah. When I I was I I can picture the moment clear in my head. The moment that two polys were in perfect sync. There was a poly from Aww. 1997 <laughs> that pressed new game at the same time. 2020 poly pressed new game, and those two reactions were so eerily similar. This feeling of excitement as that fly-in through Midgar to the train station mm -hmm. and everything through that opening bombing mission filled me with the purest dose of nostalgia and punched me in the goddamn chest so hard. Like, I've not felt a game kind of reach that hard in a long time and make me feel that way it's such a unique mm -hmm. feeling i think that mm -hmm. you, you, that that like like it, man 
It just hits. <laughs> it just that opening, just that opening hits so hard. Um, f- for this game, it's it, it's as much about the big iconic moments as it is like how thoroughly this new take on the old cast kind of breathes life into a script from 1997 that was, you know, a little rough uh, around the edges. Kind of didn't paint these characters maybe as colorful as they were, but now you've got, you know, but like now Eris and Barrett, there's so much life in these characters that Mm. you you literally Mm -hmm. just fall in love with them all over again uh it's it's not mm-hmm. it's not just them it's all the side characters like biggs wedge and uh, yeah like biggs jesse, wedge and jesse they're are awesome s- now they're so like you really feel connected they feel yeah. like a group uh they feel like the ragtag group of mm-hmm. people that have been working together for a long time toward a common goal they feel like that tightly knit group that clouds trying to kind of fit into and they're trying to welcome him in and like cloud's portrayal like i can't compliment it enough like they've got this perfect amount of everybody calling him on his bullshit <laughs> like his emo teenager because he's trying to act yeah, yeah he's, he's trying, trying to, to act be he's so cool he's trying to be so and that's such that is such a, a smart and cool play if you know where that character goes yep like yep. it's so good and 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 wall market oh my god oh, yeah. it's so good like i i was sweating bullets going into wall market knowing where that could have gone mm-hmm. and when i came out the other side i was hyperventilating <laughs> how much i was just ah, ah, like at everything that was happening they, it's probably the best part of the whole game. It is. Except, except for that boss fight. And th- that Oh, God, the Hell House fight is garbage. <laughs> Get <Yeah>. that out of here. But I love all of that shit. And while what they may be going for story-wise may not sit well with everybody. <laughs> oh, I think we'll talk about that a bit later. I'm 255% here for it. This is my jam. Like, what yeah. they're doing with this game in the last few hours when it finally shows its hand, I was I was grinning ear to ear because that's my shit! Um, <laughs> but it's... I think the biggest thing, though, it this remake, I learned just how much I actually really love Final Fantasy VII. I know, right? I didn't... <laughs> I didn't realize that that game was so much a connected part of my experience in gaming going back to 1997 and having that feeling those exact same feelings 23 years later in a completely different context was really, really magical. And the only reason that this is so low on my list is because I'm a bit bummed that I don't know that I'll be able to play the rest. Oh. Because I'm not upgrading to a PS5. So I don't know if I'll be able to play the last parts mm-hmm. of it. This first part is a fantastic, like, like I love what it's doing. Like even, even with the warts and all, I think the combat system really needs work um, mm-hmm. and, and things mm-hmm. like that. I, I love what they're doing. And I, I, I have, I, 
I have faith in what they're doing, and, and and I hope that you know I'm able to experience it, and I hope that they deliver on a vision that they're trying to deliver on. Um, because what what they're doing, I think, is really really smart uh, in terms of it being uh, a remake. So yeah, that but it, it yeah. yeah, it is just the Midgar section. Like yeah. ultimately. <laughs> It's a very it's a very small part of that original game. Yeah, yeah. They've, it's they've not even a third. Lot. It's not even not a third. Even, not even a third of like disc one. Yeah, it's they have so much <laughs> more ground to cover, and it's just like trying to think of how they're scoping that out and what even like more of that game yeah. means. I don't even know how to think about that right now. Yeah, because the game changes so much once you're out of that one city. Yeah. So yeah. just how they're gonna handle all that is 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 just absolutely beyond me so that is my number nine final fantasy 7 remake nice so i understand that john you have a listener list for us it's true i do well let's well let's have it what do you got um this is from tango gemini hey um number three doom eternal they kind of turned doom into a that is hard to say is turned doom into a first-person character action game, and it's even more frantic than before. Killing demons still feels really, really good, but you have more tools at your disposal in terms of movement and such. It's a lot to get used to. Number two, Final Fantasy VII Remake. This game is all about the character writing. Obviously, Aerith steals the show, but the perfect portrayal as Cla- of Cloud as the socially awkward loner who tries so hard to look like he's the coolest and most <laughs> is not to be understated. Also, the honeybee end scene. Amazing. Yes. Number one, 80s. This is the best roguelike I've ever played. The story and characters and writing are all top-notch, but the gameplay has kept me coming back for over 150 hours. It's just a really good action game. That game, Hades. That, that, one's, yeah. on my, that one's on my list. That one's on my, yeah, I, I, think, I, I gotta play that. <laughs> I think, remember when I was talking about de- you, you guys to Dead Cells earlier and how like everyone on my Steam list that has played Hades has played it for like over 30 hours? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it turns out that uh, is kind of reflected in these lists. That's that's awesome. It's a, it's a very popular game. I think. Uh, I think after reading some of these, I am also like, yeah, gonna have to check that out at some point. Yeah, like everybody. Like just, I, everybody like I watch. Everybody I watch stream regularly plays this game, so yeah. it's just like, yeah, God. It's like how when Celeste was just getting overwhelmingly praised, and I was just like, okay, whatever. It can't be that good. Like it feels like. <laughs> This this has that same level of just absolute adoration from everybody that yeah, has played it. Yeah. That's absolutely my sense with it too. <laughs> cool. Holly. Yes, I have I have us another list. This one comes from Strex, who I believe is somebody that's popped by my stream on a number of occasions. Oh, nice. So this is their list. I do not believe that this list is any in any particular order, unless the nah. list proves unless the list proves me wrong while I'm reading it, because we don't pre-read these. <laughs> uh, the first game on their list is Umineko no Naku Koroni. Ryukishi Seven just goes off the rails crazy this time, and I was 100% on board the whole way. Without love, it cannot be seen. The nope. second game listed is The Legend of Heroes: Trails of Cold Steel Four. A 600-hour journey I'll always hold dear and a standard for long-form story and world-building. And the third third listed game is 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim, 
a complete masterclass in art and storytelling. I recommend this game to anyone. It's one of my favorite pieces of media, period. Mm. Thanks for all the podcasts and streams that brought me joy and comfort in such a shitty year. Strex. Well, thank you, Strex, <laughs> for taking time to, 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 to send us a list. We appreciate and for penning, and, and for penning what is potentially the most on-brand SoxCast submission list. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty goddamn, like... The, like if you were to look at a socks cast approved list that like that that, that you think would be one that would absolutely probably be it yeah it's sort of that specific kind of story that we all eat up yeah like all every yeah. single bit of that list is like the most the most socks cast long big tons of characters very genre big catharsis yeah lots of emotion yep, yep. goes a bit crazy at points feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most on brand Strex. <laughs> you you fit right in. You fit right yep. in. So we've got the first of our audio lists. Our audio heroes are coming through, and this one comes from somebody we have not heard from in a while. Aww. They say, "Yo, Sunburst Baser here." How's that name ring a bell, huh? Hey, Mister Schmups himself, the bassist extraordinaire. <laughs> I had time to do a little gaming this year and actually played something new to me. Instead of just replaying Super Metroid and Battle Garega for a million times, <laughs> I decided to record my own description. I do watch your YouTube vids when I can still. I can't use Twitch because my internet is way too slow. Hope you're all doing well. Stay healthy. So that was his text intro for his audio list, which we are going to start in three, two, one, play. Hey all, this is Sunburst Baser, and these are my top three games for 2020. My first game up is called The Grand Stream Saga, released for the original PlayStation. The Grand Stream Saga was made by the same people who made Soul Blazer, Illusion of Gaia, and Terranigma. Like those games, it features many elements of light and dark, good and evil, and reincarnation. Unlike those games, it was made entirely in 3D. As an early 3D game, it has some fairly janky physics and movement, but it does have a unique combat system and an interesting magic system that sadly was not developed as far as it could have been. The Grandstream Saga is full of many secrets, including magic spells, armor, and weapons, and includes some very difficult moral choices for the player to make. My second game up is called Dragon's Curse. Dragon's Curse is one of many Wonder Boy games. The specific one I played was on the TurboGrafx-16. Dragon's Curse is somewhat of a Metroidvania, but unlike something like Super Metroid, you do not gain permanent power-ups. Instead, you turn into different animals, and only at certain parts of the game can you switch between those forms. Each one opens up one part while locking off another part. It does make the game somewhat frustrating, but it does play well, has good music, and very bright, colorful graphics. My third game for the year was Castlevania Symphony of the Night. I have played most of the later Castlevania games with the same open world features, and I finally felt it was time to play the original. I find it hard to find anything negative to say about Symphony of the Night. The level design, the weapons and sub-weapons, the armor, the experience system, the way Alucard moves, all of it is very, very well done. Even the voice acting, despite being very cheesy, is pretty standard for a 90s video game, and honestly, it has kind of a B-movie charm to it. 
I thoroughly enjoyed the game, and I look forward to replaying it in the future. Those have been my three games. Take care, y'all. This is Sunburst Baser, signing out. The Grand Stream Saga is so overlooked. Uh, it's such a jam. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really, really love that game. It is a super solid PS1 RPG if you ever get the chance to play it. Nice. Like, that game is so good. Um, Basically, really like, love- every two or three months, I, I load up footage of Grand Stream Saga, and I'm just kind of <laughs> longing, like, oh, this looks so nice. I it should is. Play this at some point, but I don't. <laughs> but I want to. It's a very, very good video game, John. I promise. Like, you, you, it'll be your jam. I promise you. Just play it. Just play it. Dope. Dope. I really like Dragon's Curse as well. Yeah. Yeah. I played that... the original TurboGrafx one as a kid and then the remake recently. Oh, wow. Yeah, there was a remake, wasn't there? Yeah. All right. It's very nice looking. And yeah. a little bit easier now. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I can understand. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, Dragon's Curse is the remake of, is the remake of the... Master System Dragon's Trap is that is that right? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Okay, that There's, series yeah, is yeah, weird. In the remake, you can just straight up switch to those Master System graphics and audio. Yes, which is dope. Which yeah, is so that's, amazing. That's, to me, a moment because I think every, a lot of people are familiar with Dragon's Trap. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Good list, Sunburst. That's a solid list, and thanks again, Sunburst. It's always good to hear from you. Uh, glad, glad to hear you're out there still doing well and, and enjoying some real good video games from the sound of it. All right, Rhett. Yep. Hello. Hey. So now we can get to your actual list. It sounds yeah. like. All right, the actual list proper, <laughs> Rhett. Let's have ourselves a number yeah. eight. This is one you're not going to be surprised that showed up on here, but you know, towards the bottom, uh, number eight, Tokyo Mirage Sessions. Yeah. Hashtag Fe. Yeah, like, <laughs> it... The game that I struggled to beat all year. Yeah, you were struggling with this one, but it sounded like you came out the other side feeling I still, pretty good. I never disliked it, I just fell off it really early, yeah. and then the pandemic happened. Like, I started it in February, mm-hmm. and then in March it was like, hold up, hold up. <laughs> <laughs> right, I actually, I remember the exact timeline was that I started this as, like, a way of doing Simple Gear Withdrawal. Oh wow! Thinking, <laughs> thinking that this would be Simple Gear adjacent enough to tide me over, and then it wasn't. And I immediately, and then late February is when I rewatched the entire series. Yep. So I didn't need Tokyo Mirage Sessions immediately after that. But you then just, you fell off the wagon one hundred percent. Yeah. And then in, I think in July I did finally pick it up back up, and then fell off again for another month and finished in <laughs> September. But I got there, and I never disliked it. I really liked it. Like, just that dungeon-crawling vibe, and the characters are great. They really kind of carry the whole thing. Like, the music videos... Uh, the music videos you unlock are really good, and then having those songs show up as attacks in the game is always funny to me. It's very silly. Yeah. It's silly in a there's, way that... There's so much mocap and choreography. Like, it's really well done. Yeah. The story is sweet, even though it turns into... It just does go full Fire Emblem by the end. Yeah. And that last boss fight, I don't... Remember when I was, like, talking about it last time, how I was paused during the last like, boss? Yeah, you had boss. one hit left, I think. I think I was towards the end of the fight as we recorded. I just had it paused, and then I resumed and was, like, did a few more rounds, and then... He KO'd two of my party members, and I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ, I'm going to lose again. 
my my finger is hovering over the change to easy mode button. Oh no! But then I had like a full meter, so with my last attack on the last guy standing, was able to pull it out. Because the boss also had like 0.05 HP left. I'm like, well, one of us is dying in the next hit. Oh, it's you! Thank God. <laughs> yeah, that's a fun time. Even though I will never touch a to- a. Uh, Shin Megami Tensei game. Dude, Nocturne! Come on! You gotta get on nah. that Nocturne train. Nah. We're all taking the Nocturne trip, Rhett. Nah. Like it or not, we're all doing it. Nah. Yeah, Rhett, you're, you're gonna have to. You gotta take one for the team. Does it have idols like it this? It looks does. so pretty! You play Pokemon! So. You, can hand, <laughs> you can handle this! Shin Megami no. Tensei is way better anyway. I'm- I don't, did Pokemon make my top ten last year? I fucking hope not. <laughs> I don't think it did. I'd have to listen back. I don't think I don't it think did. So. I think it was like the last game I beat before cutting it off. Mm. Mm-hmm. And then, nope. <laughs> yeah, and then immediately. <laughs> but of course not. So, uh, John, you got us to number eight? So you, your number ten was sort of the got to be true to yourself, mm. got to oh, be true very, to your idea, very, very true to myself. <laughs> oh boy, yeah. um, <laughs> John, John, there are many ways no, you can be true to yourself. This isn't gonna, this isn't gonna, this might not be what you're thinking, um, but I had like a really, co- I had kind of a cool entry in this one, uh-huh. mm-hmm. which is another good edge game, and I'll talk about all those in the probably honorable mentions. I bet mm-hmm. right yeah. before the end, um, and then I was like. Nah, though I really, I really gotta be honest. And my number eight is Xenoblade Chronicles. Oh, Matt, nice. you told me this might be making not make your list. I told you like pretty concernedly. Like, oh, that one's not gonna cut it though. And then I was like, oh well, it goes real it, hard, John. It goes real hard. It's big and for stupid like last, enough that it made it right. For like the last twenty, it's for like the last twenty-five hours. That game just <laughs> uh, goes. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. Xenoblade Chronicles is just like big, big dumb big. anime catharsis <laughs> game. Yeah, and I really, really enjoyed it, and I had a really good Aww. time. With it. And I finished it just like, oh my god, yes, I'm here for this universe. And then three days later, I started Xenogears. <laughs> just oh. like that was how that was how much I was feeling it. I was just like, and I'm still, I'm still in the middle of that one. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I really liked Xenoblade. Um, I don't think that it's like completely pulls me in with the characters like a lot mm. of the RPGs we really love do, mm. but I think that it builds to its big climaxes in ways that are really well done, and it pays off mm. all of the threads it sets up. Yeah. Um, and it just went so much harder than I expected. <laughs> and, <laughs> I told even you. Red, even with Red setting me up, I was just like, oh, wow, yeah. All right. I, I think I tweeted something like games that go harder than Xenoblade and then just nothing after that. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. So, yeah, I like it's 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 still a weird single player MMO game. It's got a lot of that weird baggage. Mm-hmm. Um I was able to enjoy it. I didn't like try to 100% it or anything. I just oh, had a please. nice time enjoying it. Like, you'd I, still be playing it. I, if I pasted you I pasted pictures of a screenshot of uh Baller Scuba's let's play yeah. of that where he actually finished it and like main story is 98 videos <laughs> with all of the side quests is 500 videos. Mhm. Like there's a lot about this that would put kind of puts me off as a as a 
as a game as something you play, but they just yeah. nail that main thread yeah. so fucking hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I have so I, I can't help but just be like pretty much in love. So Xenoblade Chronicles, my number eight. Cool. Holly. Yo, got a number, What's eight. Your number eight. Got a hot number eight in here for you. Got a hot number eight, but it's got a number in it. My number eight is one shot. Mmm. This is the uh Ooh, I don't know nice. how the hell we missed this video game. <laughs> When it yep. came out, like, I'm, I'm just still in awe that this is a game that somehow, like, flew under all of our radar, d- despite, I, just I, be- yeah. <laughs> despite being the, entirely our shit. Yep. I saw the thumbnail for years, yeah. or, like, at least a year, and just didn't really give it a go because I didn't like the thumbnail that much. Aw, I think Steve the thumbnail's was, cute. Was definitely trying to show it to me, though. Yeah, like, and the- I going, oh, looks like NES hot. Oh, no! Is it the way the, the light bulb is the O? Yeah, it does. NES hot. NES hot. <laughs> oh, my God. So, <laughs> man, this is just an absolutely lovely narrative-focused world exploration game mm-hmm. um, w- with, with a lot of unique and fun interactions, a great cast of characters, a main character you absolutely want to give all the hugs and pancakes to. Um and just a lot of that good, good meta shit that we all come to know and love. Like, it, yeah. this game digs into the meta shit in a way that just blew my entire fucking mind out of the back of my head. Um, <laughs> the ways that this game plays with the idea of being a part of the world um, and the tools it uses to kind of immerse you in that experience... It's just the finest and most intelligent use of of uh, y- using the meta layer um, uh, and the player kind of being perceived as a god uh, mm-hmm. of a world. Like it's some of the most cool and fun shit uh, I've ever seen. Like there are so many moments in this game that I want to talk about, but I literally don't want to ruin it for anybody yeah. because this game is just that damn cool. Um, and like I said, it just still astonishes me that this game is entirely our shit and we somehow just it, it, right over our heads somehow. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how it did that. Well, we found it eventually. We found Three it eventually. Years, yeah. I'm really thankful we did. Yeah. Um, also, this is like uh, like this is a crazy reworked RPG Maker game too. So guess what? More RPG Maker representation. I- I truly don't know how they do the stuff that they do in this in RPG Maker. Yeah, they they can like they're they're using like external programs that launch as well. Like they're dude, there's just so much shit going on. It's to see it in like this is a game where you got to play it, you got to immerse yourself in the world yeah. and the narrative, and like give yourself over to what's happening. Let yourself enjoy it, uh, and don't play it full screen. Uh, because because uh, the well, game the game does not play well with that uh, because a lot of its tricks require the window require it to okay. be the window and for you to see things outside of the window. Um, okay. I think you can play a lot of it early on. Yeah, full screen. You will know when you need to play windowed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but man, just I, I was just I I just remember sitting there constantly being blown away and just like. Not only just how cool the things that were happening and what they meant for what was happening in world, but just sitting there thinking, like, how did you rig all this up, like, to work this way? What kind of programming magic yeah. are you doing <laughs> here to make this? How did you do that? 
It's really impressive. Yeah, like it's man. Yeah, I cannot recommend one shot enough. Uh, if you were into that crazy, just off the wall, bonkers shit that we kind of get ourselves into on this show. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, this is absolutely another one of those jams, and I cannot recommend it enough. <clears throat> so, Rhett, Dope. I understand Hi. That you have another listener list for us. Yes, this one comes into long-term, fr- long-term friend of the site, mm-hmm. Gesh86. Hey, all the way from Germany. Yes. Hello, Mitendanda Soxcast crew. <laughs> I may not be as active nowadays on the internet anymore, but I absolutely want to contribute a list when I saw your video in my feed. Here goes. Number one, Neo 2 for PS4. Mm. Neo 2 does a few things better than the already amazing Neo 1. More importantly, it does no, no things worse than the already amazing Neo 1. It's just an all-around spectacular action RPG I have yet to tire of. And number two, Ghost of Tsushima for PS4. An op- <laughs> There's a pattern here. There's definitely a pattern in these first two, yeah. And number three is actually Sekiro. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Number two, Ghost of Tsushima, an open-world action game that somehow succeeds in making the conquest of Mongolian War Cab number 27 fulfilling and exciting. Stealth is also done just right, and the story went in the direction I hadn't expected. And number three, this is actually kind of a swerve, given the previous two. Number three, Fire Emblem Three Houses for Switch. <laughs> Bernadetta is a magnificent mess, and it's good to see her mostly <laughs> throw out her issues over time. She's such this, a good character. This game also has great map design, exciting encounters, and a clever system because it's a strategy RPG and not primarily about waifus. Bisbald. Gash 86. It's a good pal, Gash. I actually saw... I actually saw Bernie on my timeline, the um, some fan art on my timeline. I was like, oh, it's been a bit. Every yeah. day I see Bernie fan art on my timeline. Every day. Yeah, yeah, she, she's a solid character, and I actually, like, having having watched a Let's Play of that game, they, they do her character right. Um, there's a character that's dealing with the issues she's dealing with. Come, she turns out, she's a good kid. Good. Cool. Bernadette of Three Houses. Yeah, <laughs> Bernadette of Three Houses. That's all you need to know. John, I understand... That's you've got a listener list. All right. Well, let's, what's here? Who's it from? This is from Freezing Inferno. This is going to be an interesting... This is going to be um, a different flavor because this is actually all games that came out this year. Oh, shit. I was, uh, I was, looking, for another, I was looking for another three games and it's just Battletoads again. Like he does every year. Hey, Polly. Let's yeah. come out on this hell year and talk about nice video games. Number three, Battletoads 2020. <laughs> I hate. I, I want to quit. I want to quit. <laughs> I didn't expect to enjoy this as much as I did, but thanks to a gifted Xbox One and Game Pass, I paid nothing for it. The humor of the thing is incredibly subjective, but it's the gameplay which matters. It certainly feels like Battletoads in that it is a beat em up which quick, quickly shifts genres and keeps itself varied and fun. Very rough around the edges, and some of the mini games just plain suck, but as a resident Battletoads beater, I have to say it isn't half bad. Number two Bloodstain, Curse of the Moon 2. The original Curse of the Moon was a surprising spiritual successor to Castlevania III, which managed to improve upon its inspiration. This game's more of it, and quite a lot more. More branching paths, more playable characters, more campaigns. Not all of it works, and there are some bosses that are just a little too busy for my liking, but there's enough new old action platforming here for me to really get into it. Also, it has a corgi in a steampunk mech suit. Modern art. Literally the best part of that game. (laughs) I'm really excited for that one because I really love the first Curse yeah. of the Moon. That one definitely 
um, snuck up and kind of went under the radar, it seems. It sounds like a lot of people yeah. that really like the first one kind of aren't digging the second one as much. Mm. That's rough. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad Fred's enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. Number one, yeah. Final Fantasy VII Remake. Mm. A populist choice, but an honest one. We are all about living up to our ideals here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, living according to our ideals. Not only did it drop at just the right time in March when everything went to hell, but it's just a very polished and very good expansion of an old game I played 15 years ago. More than just a welcome distract- distraction from Hellworld, though, the game actually gets a little brave and bold with its retelling, giving you exactly what you expect before pulling the rug right out from under you in a way I've not seen since Danganronpa. It's crunchy and brilliant and puts the ball in the air for their follow-up, and it's my game of the year. Have a good New Year, Sox friends, and fingers crossed for the next one to be better. Cool. Hey, amen to that. Jeez. <laughs> it was funny when that came out like a week or two after Animal Crossing, and it was just like, wow, did not think the games that people would be playing right now were, were like Doom, Animal Crossing, and, and Final, Final Fantasy VII. Man, that was funny, though, because like as the pandemic hit, like I, yeah. I had mine pre-ordered at a local GameStop, so I actually oh, could, right. I couldn't get it for like three weeks. <laughs> They fucking closed, uh-huh. which is understandable. I'm not. I'm not bemoaning yeah. the fact that they closed to you know for the health of their yeah. employees. I'm not bemoaning that, but it's just at the time I was just like, oh man, I could really use this. <laughs> it was like Animal Crossing was just in at the buzzer, and then shit hit, and then that yep. came out like as stuff was really as closed. it was, yeah, right in the middle of it. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So Rhett. hey, we're moving on up to number seven. Hmm. So these next four games on my list, I really had a hard time ranking them. Mm-hmm. Like, they are all extremely close to me and, like, how much I like them. And I joked about John where I was literally going to bring back the box <laughs> and pull them to me <laughs> and just do them at random, but I did finally settle on an order. Just, and say, that, did. just say they're all tied for fourth. Well, no, I, I came up with an order. It is important that this right. one is number seven. Okay. Because it's a game we haven't talked about yet. Uh, my number seven is One Shot. Oh, hey. <laughs> nice. Oh. Yeah, so I never really talked about this on the podcast much because I think I did, like, I started it in a busy week. Mm-hmm. So I kind of was like, yeah, I'm playing One Shot too, like right at the end of the Sox cast. Yeah. And then. That Sunday night after we recorded, I played it for like six more hours and finished it completely. Nice. <laughs> like, just got so into it and just binged the whole thing. Yeah, it's so, then, so like, re- easy to fall in. Like, once, yeah. once the story kicks up and you start seeing what's going on, it's like, oh, I've got to keep going now. <laughs> yeah. Like, I was right at that point where it's like, oh, uh, well, I beat it, but there seems to be more. I'm going to keep playing. Oh, yeah. Mm. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's a really good time. It. Like, the biggest flaw for me is that the things it evokes are, like, a lot of meta stuff from, like, Undertale and Danganronpa V3 and other stuff. Yeah. Where it's, like, it's really it's really swinging for the fences against some all-time greats, and it doesn't, I think, hit as hard as those. Yeah, I would agree. But, like, of course it wouldn't. But, like, I think it still stands on its own two feet, and it does things I haven't seen in any other game before. Yeah, yeah. And... The very, very final thing in this game that happens. Oh my god, dude. I did not think that, like, seeing something like that would be something that kind of, like, missed me up a lot. I was like, oh my god. It's so good. (laughs) The reaction I had, so you're at the end. You think think it has no tricks left, and then a thing happens. (laughs) 
man, you're just... That literally... I think I... I shouted, what? <laughs> Stood up out of my seat and then started crying. Yep. <laughs> like it was just this insane trick they, gut punch. I've never seen do. anything. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah. They just, they know how to end it so definitively. It's perfect ending. So it's like, holy fucking shit, did this game just do that? Yeah. It's one of those things where you can't hype it up too much, but like being caught off guard by it yeah. was so amazing. Yeah. Not knowing just that, that was coming. Yeah. It's just, whoo! And just those whole, like, you know, last six hours, and then when it really starts to really go for it, like, very good time. Yeah. So, yeah, I like this game a lot. Nico is very good. Yeah. This is why I was a little quiet when you were doing yours, because I'm like, I'm about to talk about that game, too. <laughs> yeah one shot we will give it two recommendations now absolutely almost socks cast approved almost it's probably gonna be there soon yeah (laughs) i own it good 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 i think well we'll mention that later um almost everybody should actually own this yeah it's yeah it was in the yeah it was in that big pack of games it sure was so john what's your number seven uh, my number seven is going to be Queen's Wish the Conqueror. Hey! Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is the first classic PC-style Western RPG I have played to completion. Mm-hmm. And I play, and it's a beefy one. It's like 40 to 50 hours. And I played through all of it. Um, and Spiderweb Software, Jeff Vogel, um, they have been making games like this since the 90s. It's a largely largely spearheaded by one person with a couple um, freelancers helping out. Um, and it's just like 20, 25 of these games since the nineties. It's this whole history. It's very cool. It's very cool to me. And this was their most recent release. And I bought it cause it was available on phones. And I'm like, <laughs> yep, if I can play on my phone, Can't I want to play, play it. games on phones. If I played this God. entire 50-hour 50, 50 Western RPG on my PC RPG on my phone, it was great. I think the longest I've ever played a game on my phone was... It was either Doom RPG back in the day on, on my Razer 2 or Monument Valley. Uh, one of those two. Monument Valley is very short. So yeah, it's so, it was pro- <laughs> so it was probably Doom RPG. <laughs> I've seen footage of that, which it's very funny. That game's that game's uh, dope, man. Cool, I believe it. Um, <laughs> go ahead, Rhett. I'm trying to visualize like Doom 2016 RPG. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because Doom Doom like a dragon. Doom oh, like god. a dragon. Right, that's a game that. Oh my god, <laughs> could happen. Like a demon. I'm just seeing yep. like revenants pop up with like a Dragon Quest HUD. <laughs> It's so good. <laughs> I think in Zoom so, Eternal you get a sword as well. Sorry. Fantastic. I love the sword. I love seeing the sword every time in in, in foot in ads. I was like, oh, you're 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 touching a part of my brain. Like swords are cool. Swords are very cool. Swords. Are, the, the swords are cool. It's part of my brain. Um, so the thing with Queen's Wish is that the fights are like tactical on a grid, but the grid is also the the map that you're on. Um, all of the, um, combat encounters are handcrafted. 
um, for the level in question. So it's always like we place the monsters in these positions um, on this dungeon map. And a lot of the time they do like extra custom work to dif- further differentiate the fights. Mm. So every dungeon, and there's a lot of dungeons, feels like a differentiated, interesting thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you only get XP when you finish a quest. And if you leave a dungeon and come back, everything responds. All the dungeons, nice. all the monsters respond. <laughs> um, all of the treasure is useful. They specifically, uh, a big change apparently for this one from the previous ones is that you can't really grind and the treasure is all useful. Nice. Um, so it, there's also a, a base building um, mechanic to it, sort of, where you are um, over time building up your colonies across this country, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, and you get, so you get both resources from fighting that make it your character stronger and also resources for building up your forts and the way the fort feeds in directly into making your character stronger is really satisfying it's a lot of small numbers where everything you get has a noticeable big effect it's just like it, it, it's the opposite of Xenoblade, where it's just like pure, mm. exactly what I want out of yeah. like an RPG as a <laughs> experience. Um, and it's open ended. You have like three different spires of quest lines, basically that you can go attack in any order, and all of those are made up of things that you can attack in different orders. It's, so it's almost all like you start the game, ten minutes in, go. Here's <laughs> here's, just, here's <laughs> what you can do. Go, and you go for fifty hours and. The writing's really good. Hmm. It's really fucking good writing. And it actually manages to go really hard in the end. Hmm. Um, in a really, really cool way. Um, it's obviously playing with a lot of like colonialism stuff. Yeah, your mom and, wants you to do a yeah. colonialism, doesn't she? <laughs> That's it. Your mom wants you to do a colonialism. Um, I wouldn't, <clears throat> if you like are completely repulsed by that stuff, by like Settlers of Catan or whatnot, mm-hmm. this might not be your 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 jam i understand um but like to me it had enough like edge and melancholy and moments of introspection to um make it really work for me especially when it all comes to a head in the climax in a really cool way so i don't think i don't think it's um doing that stuff thoughtlessly was my takeaway although my my read on that stuff is pretty isn't doesn't really matter. Right, right, right. Um, so I really came away from this. I definitely want to play the next Queen's Wish game whenever those come out. Just because everything that's different about this one is stuff that I'm especially pleasing to me. Mm. Like the no XP. Like this is very, t- like this couldn't have been a more John game. Uh, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, I had I had a fucking ball with it. And I'm really excited to play more Spiderweb software games. It got me playing other Western RPGs. I'm ready. I'm fucking ready. I'm ready for, I'm ready for this <laughs> I've false started right. with this whole genre for years, and now it's like, all right, this is it. This is going to be my way in. Watch out, Fallout. My- Here comes John. Watch Literally, out. Really, yes. Watch out, ne- <laughs> watch out, Neverwinter Nights. Here comes John. Probably Baldur's Gate next. I had a good time with Coder. Yeah, Baldur's Gate's cool. Yeah, I want to play that one. Polly! Yo! What's your number seven? Got a number seven. Got a number seven. How y'all feel about visual novels? They're okay. I They're love okay. them. You lo- John loves them. Brett's a little. Nah, I don't know. 
Brett's like, what, what, what you gotta do all the reading for? I don't know. <laughs> I just want to punch stuff. I just want to punch stuff. I want to punch mountains. It'll be fun. Yeah. My number seven is Stein's Gate, Linear Bounded Phenogram. Mm, nice. So I guess kind of like the worst part of this, though, is that you, you have to hold against this one, is that you can only play this uh, if you buy Stein's Gate Elite on PC or PS4. <laughs> um, uh, given the fact that I like Stein's Gate, you know, this may not be a big deal because I had interest in the Elite version anyway, and I was like, if I want to share this story with people, I'm going to stream it, and I think that Elite is probably an easy version to, to do that with. So picking... Picking up Elite for like 10 bucks was easy when it came with Linear Bounded Finogram, which is a collection of short stories written in the Steins Gate universe that um, are all original. And there's the, you know, hey, that's cool. Um, but, but, but like for others, this one's probably a lot harder to sell, but uh, I can still recommend it based on the fact that I think that Steins Gate is like a great story with really good characters. Um, so, and that's kind of like the strength of uh, that of this little series of like original short stories. Like by they're by different authors. They're not by the same person that wrote the original game. Uh, so, but he did supervise to kind of obviously make sure that they're playing within the boundaries and making sure everything kind of makes sense. But basically, what we get are these two to four hour stories um, from the perspective of pretty much every major protagonist throughout the story, even people like you wouldn't expect like Mr. Brown, like, wow, I'm getting a story. <laughs> I'm getting his story. That's interesting. But there are all these touching little vignettes, um, that play around with the mechanics of the Steins Gate universe that they established so well in that original game about what they can and can't do with time travel and what time travel is and isn't. Um, and they tell a lot of just really heavy, impactful, uh, emotional stories that really caught me off guard because I didn't, like, like going into this thing, I didn't think that it was going to be very serious at all because this, the first story is um, uh, Rintaro Akabe, who is the main character. He's the Chuni boy, uh, mad scientist. He has a superhero alter ego where he's Alpaca Man. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and he fights crime. <laughs> um, but... Like, as that story played out over the course of the two hours that it is, and you get to, like, the last 30 minutes, and, like, uh, there's a trick that you start seeing. It's like, oh, no. This is something else entirely. There goes my fucking heart. You can't do this to me, Steins. You can't keep doing this. And it does it every time. And it does it every damn time. (laughs) They can't keep getting away with this. And they keep doing it. Um, but yeah, like you, you, you get all these cute little two to four hour vignettes with these characters that we don't get to be in the, uh, the head of throughout the main game. Um, and there's just a lot of really interesting and meaty character exploration. Um, and this is another case of, wow, it really reminded me of how much I really like this cast of characters, despite the caveats that I would offer ahead of time in recommending Stein's Gate. I still think that these characters are very easy to become attached to you you really feel the stakes like when when they're in trouble you know you really do care because you've grown like emotionally attached to these doofuses and in, in this <laughs> mad scientist uh little lab because they're just all outcast scientists doing their own thing that ended up sucked into this bigger overarching plot and you can't help but root for them uh, and their happiness uh and um it, it, a lot of these stories kind of help you appreciate the happiness that 
they're able to get through the true ending and the original game and things like that. And it plays around like within that timeline or with alternate timelines that feed into various endings that already exist. So having that knowledge fresh in your mind of the original Steins Gate obviously helps with linear bounded fenogram. Um, and it's just like, there's not a bad story in the bunch is what surprised me. Cause usually with like an anthology like this, you kind of expect that there's going to be maybe a dud or two. But none of these stories hit with a resounding thud. Like, they were all just, like... I came out of all of them just very happy to have gone on that journey. Uh, even if it's characters who I initially didn't really care that much about being in the head of. Like, I was like, ah, I mean, whatever. I'm just in Mr. Brown's head. And then they go and tell this amazingly touching story about him and his daughter. Um, and it's just, oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, so, yeah, like... Like I said, it's kind of a hard recommend because you have to buy Steins Gate Elite to get it. Mm. Um, but I really, really, really like this anthology uh, of stories. There's like 12 of them. It'll take you about 24, 26 hours to get through them all. Um, but they're all really good, really well thought out, really well put together. And despite the fact that they're not written by the original author, they, they still kind of have that same care and consistency put into the world and, and, and the way the characters react. So, like, there's not any out-of-character um, shenanigans that, like, or where, where the writing doesn't feel like it's true to the original. Like, it's just... This is a very well set of stories that I think is a real bummer that it's not just being sold as its own thing. Uh, because mm -hmm. it absolutely should be uh, more accessible. Like, I think that this is just... It, Having these may not be just as vital as maybe Steins Gate Zero, which is, uh, you know, kind of an alternative telling of like that spawn that 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 splinters off from the bad ending of that game of the original. Um, but I think that these stories like they offer a lot of value, um, and having them locked behind another forty to sixty dollar purchase is just a bit of a bummer. Oh. Well, I, I think the idea of um, big VN world with a bunch of cool rules and whatnot, and then having multiple good VNs, and then we got a bunch of other cool writers to write their own short novella in this world. Yeah. Is something that I'm just extremely here for. I think that completely fucking rolls. Yeah. Like it's. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm trying to figure out where John is putting the fate reference in there. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's no reference i just think that's is that not something I'm fate not has done i mean i don't think that's so. not something i'm referencing i mean I just fate, that's i mean i mean fate go that's written yeah, by a lot of different kind of... writers but i don't think that he was going for that i think it's just the general okay. idea oh. of what this is you know is other the, people people, yeah. other people taking control of this big world with established rules and characters and being able to play around with them i mean you gave kataro uchikoshi control of this world Believe That's me, really cool. the man had a lot of fun. It's like it's like I don't know that I would call it the best story in here, but it's goddamn good. <laughs> Excellent. I wasn't thinking in terms of like any referencing anything else. I was thinking in terms of God. I would love to have a world that fleshed out at some point that I could turn it over to friends yeah. and have them make cool shit. Yeah, yeah, so fun. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's such a cool thing that they, that they were able to do. And it's like, it, like, it, it kind of lends itself that, like, being a time travel story uh, and having, like, these established rules and these characters, it lends itself to that fanfic format, yeah. right? 
Especially when they can be like, this one takes place after this bad ending. Yeah, like you could, like there are so many places to start from and end from and to tie back into it. It's like it's it's like it's such a cool way to get people into writing if you think about it. So yeah, Steins Gate, Linear Bounded Phenogram. You have to buy you have to buy Elite on PC or PS4 to get it, but. Uh, Maybe maybe it'll be on sale for Christmas. Maybe it'll be on sale for Christmas. Like these are going up around Christmas time. Check your local, like check your stores, check check your Steam, all that fun stuff. Yeah, Steins Gate, Linear Bounded Finogram. That is my number seven. So, what do you say we we jump from me right back to me? Okay, with another listener list. What do you say? Cool. We got one of these. This comes from. Thomas the Jet Storm Four. Oh, that's our. Uh, remember him? I remember him. He was a good guy. Sad about what happened, though. You you hate to <laughs> you hate to hear it. <laughs> no. Oh, it's like two weeks before these go up. You don't know what has just happened. Man, I should probably edit that out. <laughs> oh man, put a reminder here. Edit that out. In case something actually happens. In happened. case something actually happens. Also, forget to edit it out because it's really funny. <laughs> so, okay. Jetstorm4 says... Okay. <laughs> hey, SoxCast. 2020 was a year, huh? Hey, at least I finished something this, something this year. I also played some really good video games. Here are the top three of these. Three. The Legend of Heroes, Trails of Cold Steel 4, PS4. While a lengthy game, my playthrough came out at around 123 hours, it serves as an excellent finale that follows up everything I wanted out of this series and gave me the closure I needed for Reen, his friends, his students, his rivals, and his enemies. It left me as a puddle of sobbing on the floor, shouting to myself, He used the void to cleave the darkness! The Sen no Kiseki! <laughs> Which, honestly, all video games should make me do. Number two, Moon RPG Remix Adventure Switch. I've looked forward to the day. I've looked forward to one day playing this game for more than ten years. Ever mm. since I first heard about it, Moon has always been a mysterious piece of work around here due to its release and attempts to of any kind of English language translation not working out. Turns out it's an adventure game with some very good world building, puzzles, cute mini games, a really hard puzzle, and an interesting point of view. It also left me as a puddle sobbing on the floor, shouting to myself, but this time I had the door open. <laughs> and number one, 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim. I've always liked Vanillaware uh, ever since Muramasa the Demon Blade. When an artist like George Kimitani, with an artist like George Kimitani, I could always expect excellent art design, even if the game is not that great, like the original Odin Sphere or Dragon's Crown. And working with and working with Base Escape, I can get my Hitoshi Sakamoto and friends compositions that go very well with these. This is no different for Thirteen Sentinels, except they did it. Vanillaware put together their best game. The stars aligned, and Vanillaware created a wonderful game that uses popular mecha, science fiction, fantasy, time travel, American film, Japanese film, Japanese history, and 
food, all to service the story for the ages. Oh, and the game plays really well, too. This also left me on the floor sobbing, not shouting this time, <laughs> I was, as I was, I was all out. Thank you all for the wonderful content this year. Happy New Year. Thomas the Jetstorm 4L. That's a damn good... That's a damn good video game list there. Jesus. Some of these lists are nuts this year, Woo! for sure. The, you know, like, I, I'm sitting here and I thought that my list this year is like, man, I was struggling a little bit. Like, I kind of felt like everything's a little shaky except maybe, like, the top half of my list... But then mm -hmm. you hear these lists of these guests, and they're just all so fucking stacked. And it's just like, man, I remember that video games are good again. They can be. They can be all right. They can be all right. So, Rhett, I understand mm. that you've got a list from our favorite Soccercast <laughs> listener. This yes. one is always a treat. I am always so happy to be here for this. Thank you once again. Rhett, hit me. Okay, this comes in from Don, nineteen eighty nine. Woo! Hello, dear members of the Sox cast and John. It's <laughs> me every time. Every, every time. time. Every fucking time. As it is the fine Sox cast tradition, I want to share my top three games of this year. But first, I have to apologize for a terrible mistake with my list last year. My last list in the previous year. Uh oh. I am truly and utterly sorry. That I said something nice about John for once. Oh. <laughs> you know, I'll let it pass. I'll let it slide this time. You all had to pay for it when he backstabbed Shovel Knight and killed a... <laughs> and killed a poor defenseless podcast in return. I can assure you... I can assure you it will never happen again. Anyway, here is my list. <laughs> so someone did remember... Oh, God. <laughs> I knew that there was a reason Don is my favorite listener. <laughs> okay, number three, Double Cross. Mm. This fine game combines Bionic Commando with its incredibly entertaining grapple hook gameplay with Ace Attorney as you're playing as an interdimensional police officer who has to figure out the identity of a master criminal. This game features three major worlds with several levels, each with unique tricks like running for your life from a giant slime monster, fighting your way through a convoy of trucks, and eventually blowing them up to a shockingly entertaining stealth level. Between levels and big boss fights, the heroine talks to her weirdo co-workers and tries to locate the person that is tr trying to murder all of them. Uh, number two, Under Hero. This one is a bit of an anti-RPG with jump-and-run elements. You are playing as an underling of the local evil underlord and actually kill the legendary hero in the first few minutes of the game. So your boss sends you out to bring back the three important items that the hero had collected to their respective bosses, and there is far more to the story than you would expect at first glance. The real highlight is the combat system that works like a fusion of Final Fantasy's active fun battle with Mario and Luigi's combat system, meaning you can actually dodge and counter all attacks if you are good enough. And number one... Assault Android Cactus Plus. Mm -hmm. I utterly love, 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 in all caps, love this game. <laughs> you play as a group of androids having to take back a spaceship from a robot uprising, and this is, and this is easily the best twin-six shooter I have ever played. The game has just the right balance between difficulty and easing newcomers into it, between all characters working on the same basic principle, but being different enough to provide new ways to play the game. Uh, between not having its story get in the way of gameplay, but 
with the characters being full of personality and charm. If you've not played this, do yourself a favor and do so, if just for the amazing bosses with shmup-style attacks. Personally, I also super love this game. Yeah, I, I remember you played... So while ago. Yeah, this was a bit ago. I, I love you. this game. Would you uh, Would you also recommend uh, Next Machina to them then? Because it sounds yeah. like this is something that would be... Complete, like, it sounds like that game would be completely up their alley if they like Assault Android Cactus. I think so, because Next Machina... Yeah, and this were like my two favorite Twin Six shooters. The levels in this one are just... They're so smooth. Mm. <laughs> like, it's just... You just kill thousands of enemies... And like these little like two to three minute arenas mm-hmm. that just never get boring because it's over quick enough. Okay, end of the end of the email. Maybe maybe I will even forgive John if he does not murder another podcast this time. <laughs> that remains <laughs> to be seen. Yep. Finally, I wish you all a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year, and that this next year will be better than this one. It can only go up at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping so. Yeah. Oof. Oh boy. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so how do y'all feel about another audio list? I'd feel great about feel that. Feel great about another audio list? Well, this audio list comes in Hell yeah. from our good pal, Jet Jag. Jet Jag's solid people. Mm-hmm. And so we are going to go hit play on Jet's list in three, two, one, play. Hello, Rhett. John, and Polly, who I am sure is giggling at whatever duck joke she played before this. It's your old pal Jet, and I thought I'd mix things up this year and record my Game of the Year list. Before we start, I'd like to give a quick honorable mention to Common Writer, Memory of Heroes. While it's a simple licensed action game that doesn't quite match up to its contemporaries, it lets me play as Common Writer Double and O's with all their forms, and when you hit triangle and circle, it goes, JOKA! Maximum drive! And goddammit, that makes me happy. Going to the main list, number three goes to Crash Bandicoot 4. I was looking forward to this game for a while, and it did not disappoint. It offers solid platforming and level design, along with a plethora of unlockable content. No microtransactions. Although it loses some points for the 100% completion requirements being a bit insane. Number two goes to Persona 5 Royale. I waited a while to finally play this game, and it was worth the wait. Charming characters, an interesting story, all wrapped with stellar music and intuitive combat. It really made me see why the game gained such a large fan base. Although it probably shouldn't let you date Futaba. Number one goes to a game that I don't really play much anymore, but is easily the game that I spent the most time playing this year. Animal Crossing New Horizons came out at the right time, and it was the perfect escape from the fuckery this year brought us. This is my best game of the year, and I'll be revisiting it very soon. Thank you, Jet. Always a pleasure. Yeah, you know what? They should not let you date Futaba in Persona 5. Just saying. Aww. It's real fucking weird! <laughs> Um, yeah, like Crash Bandicoot, like that game looks that game looks surprisingly yeah. solid. Like I, I like I knew that they did good with uh, those Crash remakes, mm-hmm. um, that trilogy. So I was like, yeah, like like let that team make something new and original. And it looks yeah. like they came through. Honestly, it looks it looks like a I've solid heard, ass game. I've definitely heard a lot of good things about it, but also that the one hundred percent requirement is oh, like completely fucking insane this time. Fucked. Yeah, like hundreds of hours of gameplay, insane. <laughs> Like, the good thing I don't give a shit about 100% oh, yeah, in that- games. 
fantastic list, Jet. Thank you for sending us an audio list. It's always appreciated. Uh, so Math is really dry. <laughs> yeah. And we're not even halfway through. Yeah. Yeah. So, Rhett, I do believe we need to hear your final pick mm. of the day. Number six. This game had an ending that I've been thinking about all year. Oh, wow. And I think John knows what I'm talking about. John, I'm still thinking about her. Mission 009 of Wonder Wonderful 101. Yep. <laughs> yep. Just, <laughs> just. <sighs> maybe the, I, would, I would put an asterisk next to Xenoblade. <laughs> like, hardest a game has ever gone, but also Wonder, Wonderful 101 tries real hard. <laughs> it does a Gurren Lagan in the same way. Oh, wow. I, I think that... I think that Xenoblade goes wider in scope, oh, but definitely. in terms of like the emotional scope of the actual execution of it, I just think Wonderful One Hundred One is bigger. Like I said, the Gurren Lagann comparison is very on point. It goes. I mean, that's literally that's almost exactly what it does. Where it's just like, okay, instead of playing as the characters now, they're all inside of giant robots, and you're controlling a hundred and one giant robots at the same time. And then there's an even bigger one that's the final boss. <laughs> And he tries to punch the Earth. Oh. The Earth has to punch back. Like, <laughs> oh my God. it's just like it's my so feeling. Good, it's man. like the last few hours are just so much. And yeah. I don't want to like completely slam on the rest of the game, like Ugh, whatever. Mm-hmm. But like when I f- finished the first mission, I was like, man, that was really awesome. I wish I could get emotionally invested in what what was happening. And then, like, towards towards the end, like, Mission 7, I was like, okay, I'm starting to finally actually give a yep. shit about the story. And then 8 was really good. Like, 8, I think, has, like, the punch-out thing mm. in the city. Like, yep. it starts it starts to go really hard, and then 9 is just complete insanity. <gasps> like, multiple styles of shmup section. There's, like, a 3-4 shmup and, an, and a space carrier. Oh, that's... And, and a top-down... And the whole, like, insane, like, regular gameplay is just, it goes so hard. That's, that feels good. Yeah, I like that kind this of This was shit. a game where it was like, uh, I was like, okay, it's 1 a.m., I go to bed at 5 a.m., I've probably got time to beat this, and then I'm up at, like, 6 a.m. crying as, like, the prologue, <laughs> like, redo plays. Yeah. And, like, and then you get to, like, backer credits, so I'm like, okay, I'm out, I'm out. We're done, we're done, we're done here. It's so fucking good. So, yeah, if I there's one... Go ahead. I this is this is what I this is what I said at the, immediately after finishing it. I went. The tendency of Kamiya games to break genre for dramatic effect should be understood as operating on the same formal wavelength as cool indie stuff like Undertale. Yeah, I think the yeah. image of Kamiya, the action designer, unduly overshadows Kamiya, the skilled storyteller. <laughs> that was my immediate takeaway from Wonderful One Hundred One. Yeah. It was just like this punches me in the soul in exactly the way I want games to. Yeah. Yeah. I think it is really awesome how it feels old school in the way where it can just switch genre on a dime and not yep. feel like it's really missing a beat just at go. all. Yeah. Yep. And that stuff is just so fun where it's like, as games become like, you know, these billion dollar fucking extravaganzas, like having multiple gameplay styles, like gets more and more impossible if they're trying to keep it all at a yeah. certain polished level. Yeah. So for this to just be like, yeah, there's not just the shmup style. There's like three or four. Yeah, that's that's buck fucking wild. Yeah. 
God, there's like multiple Space Harrier references towards the end where it's like when you're approaching like the final battleship and there's like a dragon mini boss and then a bunch of heads spinning in a circle. God, like literally, we're just actually copying. Do you do you think Kamiya likes Space Harrier at all? Thinks he might a little bit. <laughs> but like again, where it has that indie feel of like just putting your references, yeah, or like just your putting it in there in and there. not even try, not settling it up yeah. or anything, just throwing it out there, bare ass naked, spread eagle just, for the world to see. <laughs> Here is what is inspired me, what I love, and what you know influenced the creation of this game. Here it is. It's very unsubtle. <laughs> the final thing in this game is like a QTE where you have to mash A, and the word on the screen is like protect Earth. Yes! It's so good. <laughs> That's all you're doing. <gasps> protect Earth. It's, it's extremely I love good. This game so much. This game is so dope. I love Kamiya. <laughs> I thought you get, it, it's dumb and it's dope. It's dumb and it's yeah. dummy dope. It's dummy dope. Yeah. Oh. Good pick. It's, it's probably the best Kickstarter game I've played. <laughs> Well, that, and that's like weird given the fact I mean, that this game's literally just, like all you paid for with the Kickstarter was literally just getting the damn thing published. Yeah. I mean, thank God that it was already done because it yeah. came out in like April. Yeah. Like, they would have been fucked if they had to like make it during the pandemic. Oh, God. God. Like, that would have been God, a disaster. It was, all, it was already ready. To, they just had to hit go. Yep. I, specifically, though, I mean, like, Kickstarters that I actually backed. Right. It's Undertale, obviously, you know. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Was was pleased with that one and how that turned out in the end. I'm glad that but one turned I was, out. Because it didn't I was sound definitely like, like... It didn't sound like it was going to turn out well for a while. That, that middle third is maybe a little weak. Mm. Where it's like, okay, this... The whole drawing lines thing, that's, that's sure your game, huh? Yeah. But it's just... It has so much heart. It's just... Mm-hmm. It does what it wants to by the end. So, John, yeah, what's your six? Uh, my number six is the reggae operation. Mm. I'm a friend Nerf. Um, this is the most. Hmm, let me let me figure out how to say this. Um, this is the most fun I had engaging with something as an action game this year. Huh. Hmm. Just like by a mile, I did. Um, I beat hard mode. I beat. I did a one life clear of it. Um, I engaged very closely with it. Reggae Operation is a Mega Man fan game built in the um, Mega Mix engine, where you play as Reggae, the, um, the the one of Wily's evil, one of Wily's bird bots that yeah. never shows up in a playable capacity in any of the games. Um, so the the main thing is that all of his attacks are bird themed, and then like instead of a metal blade, you shoot out a little bird. They're, they're all based on actual enemies from bird enemies from Mega Man. Mm. It's very cute. Um, and so it's got a custom player set with some custom weapons and then a bunch of really good custom bosses that are just completely over the top, all like hand built. Um, you fight Tango in one of the earlier stages mm. and it's just completely cute and good. Um, and then a bunch of bosses with all custom sprites. Um, and the, it, the, the way it escalates and the way it builds and the way it just explodes in the last level, which is all 
one escape mm. sequence. Nice. Like one extended escape sequence. Mm. Um, really, really stuck with me. Um, there's like, there's like, uh, there's like, shmup se- there are shmup sections. There are. It kind, yeah. of plays into, it kind of plays into what we were talking about with Wonderful 101, except yeah. in the context of like um, a game that takes 20 minutes to beat once you're familiar with it. Mm-hmm. So like the kind of game that I enjoy engaging with like closely as an action game a lot more than the big 20 hour game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I played this game to death. I think the, I think it seems meaner than it is. I think once you've engaged with it closely, you realize that it's actually very tightly constructed. Um, and I also help play test it and kind of get it where it is, which makes me happy. But <laughs> I, I really can't recommend this enough. I think this is, if you want like a good fix for I, it goes harder in the end than like the vast, vast, vast majority of actual Mega Man games do. Like, oh yeah, almost all yeah. Mega Man games. Yeah, just, like I watched you stream a lot of this. Yeah, a lot of Mega Man games just kind of wet fart at the end. It's like, all right, now we're eight teleport hatches, and then you fight a wily yeah. capsule, and then if that's uh, it. and then and this game just fucking goes. I, I I think um it's it's heavily inspired by Ring Man and the Castle, which is also hey, what if instead of trying to do a whole Mega Man game. We do one really good fortress with yeah. like four levels. Yeah. And like to me, that is like blows my mind. It's like, oh, you can make Mega Man fan games that are have like a really sharp shape. Oh, there there's five. Um I, I I cannot recommend this enough. I, I if you are a fan of action games, um I think this is I think this one's just stellar. Mm. Cool. Especially if you like really good, really good kinetic bosses with lots of attacks that it switches between randomly. Mm. So you're like always have to be on your toes and managing like your position on the screen so that you can react to different attacks. It, you know, you, you learn which attacks could come and then you set yourself up so you can react to different ones. Ah. Oh, I'm smart. I've got a big grin on my face. It is, it's it's a like damn it. good showing of that mega engine. Um, because I have that myself. It's just a, it's, it's a, uh, it's a game maker, um, project that you can open up and sort of start playing with to make your own levels and stuff. I played around a bit with it myself and it's very, very powerful tool. Uh, you can learn a lot, not just about making Mega Man levels and sell, but you can look at like their objects and stuff and get a very good idea of how to handle like objects and stuff in your own game. So like that, like it's a real cool, uh, because like, and and this game in particular shows that with with a lot of the, 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 the custom scripting, uh, that, uh, that NARF has done with, uh, in particular with, with, with boss AI design. Um, you, you can learn a lot from that shit and it's really, really, really cool. So it's a super solid showing. Yeah, Game Maker rules, Mega Max rules, Mega Man rules, um, Narf's music, all, all custom, all music, right, Narf made. Right. It's great. Um, fucking dope. Absolutely love this game. That's cool. my number six. Polly. Cool. Cool. I got a number six. What's your number six? My number six. So basically everything on my list uh, so far is pro- like it's been either like this pretty sprawling, heady, really narrative focused, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. Gonna make you cry a lot. Why don't I? Why don't I? Why don't I reel people back in? Why don't I? Is this not action game block? Why don't I? Why don't I bring us back in? Bring things back to the wheelhouse people are, are used to me being in. Val Ferris. Yep, it is, is. my number six. <laughs> 
Val Ferris is a... Uh, this game rocks. This game fucking rocks! Literally! Everything about this game is built on the idea of just being metal. Like, the, the developers, like, they got one aim in life, and that is to make action <laughs> games that are inspired in some way by heavy metal. Like, everything in this looks like, 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 like really great, 1980s 1970s yeah. metal album art like this game's got a striking sense of of place like it just looks incredible i love this game's look it's just everything that it is doing it is throwing itself into in every way imaginable uh, but this is just a metal as hell run and gun platforming slasher game that it ticks all my fucking boxes it's got yeah it's got big ugly ass enemies that explode and bleed real good uh it's got levels that are just seeping with identity and character and sense of place like the visuals are striking the music is perfectly set for what this is and the action just it feels good like shooting the guns like the the guns feel like I don't know how they did it, but the guns feel like they got a bit of weight behind them. And your character's got just the right amount of weight, like, by the way they land from jumps and stuff, where they're, Mm -hmm. like, there'll be, like, a couple of frames where they kind of just stomp down and the screen shakes a little bit. You get a a satisfying thunk. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And just, like, whipping out your sword and slicing enemies, and you get that sick-ass slowdown and and just blood flying everywhere. This game is just <laughs> unbelievably built to appeal to me in every single way. Um, it, it's just, it's, it's, God, it's, it's, it's not Contra. It's not Metal Slug. Yeah. It's not Turkin, but it pulls in a lot of the good shit from all of those. And it magnificently plays around with them and feels like its own unique, big, loud, and satisfying thing. Uh, like, that's just kind of like the, the yeah. operative word, I think, for this game. It's just satisfying. Everything feels good to do in this game. From the first enemy you blow up, you know. <laughs> you just know. Like, it's the perfect amount of screen shake. It's the perfect explosion sound effect. Just enough particles. Just enough blood. Just enough fire. Just enough. <laughs> it's just metal up your ass. Like, yep. the entire way through. Like, I love this game to bits. Awesome. It's, it's just like... Every yeah, every single sub-weapon in this game feels like it would be my favorite weapon in another game. Yeah! <laughs> where it's like, oh, the shotgun in this rules. Also, oh, the, the missiles rule. Yeah. The, the beam cannon rules. The flamethrower rules. Like... I had a hard time figuring which was my favorite because <laughs> they're all they, so good. They all felt so fucking cool. Like they're all worth upgrading. Like you got a limited stock of upgrade things, yeah. things you can throw into them. So it's like having to decide at some point. It's like, oh man, but I've got to leave this one behind. But if, if you search the levels enough, you'll find mm. like that you can probably power up four or five yeah. weapons to max by the end and still have a couple that are yeah. like level two. So it's not, it's not too hard. Yeah. Um, but most games, I usually just find one weapon and stick to it as mm-hmm. most as I can because of upgrade stuff. And in this, I was definitely swapping around as the situation goes. And because they've just all felt so fucking cool to use. Yeah. Yeah. Like this, this game is so good. Like their first game, uh, slain was, it was, it didn't quite land. 
like it didn't have the impact like they had the visuals and they had the kind of the same attitude going into that but it just didn't feel right like it there's something about it that just doesn't feel good to play whereas like it this is a complete correction of everything i think that just didn't feel super great about uh slain at all like this is just the the this is the witch's tits, man. <laughs> this, 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 this game is so good. Um, yeah. So that that is my number six, Val Ferris. Absolutely, look it up. Look, man. If 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 Konami isn't going to be the ones to give us satisfying run and gun action, they like mm-hmm. there are many people out here like Joy Masher and these fine folks. That are more than happy to to give it to us in their stead, and just judging from Val Ferris, like okay, we're in we're in good hands if we need more games like this. I think. Uh, so yeah, that that's my number six, Val Ferris. Beautiful, John. I think that's me. You got. I have a listener list. You have a listener Never. list for us, so let us hear it. I have a list from Lewis. Thank you very much, Lewis. I played a lot of really good games this year, so it was hard to settle on only three this time. Apologies for the sections in 3 and 1 being a bit long. Number 3, Final Fantasy VII Remake. I have a billion thoughts on this game, and squeezing it all into like four sentences is going to be fruitless, but to put it very generally, (laughs) this is a game I thought had really low lows and really high highs. Mm. This is a game with a bunch of fantastic ideas brought to life with a modern AAA budget that's also held back by current AAA video game bullshit associated with that kind of bullshit, like the extremely fillery checklist side quests and the boring weapon upgrade trees. Yup! yeah. The conceit behind the ending is extremely cool, and I'm on board with it, since it reinforces the original Final Fantasy VII continuing to stand alongside Remake. But I'm not entirely pleased with the handling of the character that most likely used to justify it. In the end, I still put this game in my top three because the story beats hit absolutely perfectly, the music kicks ass, and the honeybee in scene is one of the greatest video game sequences in the history of the medium. As messy as I thought this game was, I'm ultimately looking forward to part two, or whatever they end up calling it. Mm. Number two, Ease, the Oath and Felgana. While I enjoyed Ease 1 and 2 Chronicles Plus, this game felt clean from beginning to end with an action-packed 10-hour runtime that left me utterly satisfied. The sword fighting is precise and demanding, which is a surprise since I actually really liked the bump attack system from Ease 1 and 2, but they made it feel really fun with Adol's versatile and effective moveset. If you can ignore the fact that Prick Lasagna voices <laughs> about three characters in this game... The English dub was also mm. a real trick to listen to. Overall, the game rules. Just try to get past the boss in the beginning that requires using the fire spell. It's rough and frustrating, and the game gets much more manageable afterwards. Mm. Number one, Terranigma. Oh! A way to, some fucking quintet. Wow! Um, that's the second quintet <laughs> game! I know. As a way to stick it to Nintendo, I decided to crack open my Switch and install Homebrew into the sucker. Hell yeah. And one of the first things I did was download RetroArch onto it so I could play some games for the first time that were never going to be re-released. Soul Blazer, Illusion of Guy, and Terra Enigma, and a ton of other ROMs. I really enjoyed being able to play all three of these Super Nintendo classics curled up in my bed laying on my side. And while I thought all three were great, Terra Enigma ended up blowing me away. Keep in mind that all I knew about it was that it's a great game the U.S. never got and that the ending was sad, but nothing else. So for the most part, I was blind. Like Oath and Felgana, there was one frustrating boss in the middle of the game that I needed to look up a guide for, but the magic system is mostly useless. But aside from that, this was an extremely fun and interesting game with a lot of themes and story beats that really got me to reflect on myself and the world around me. And while I don't think Terra Enigma is as holistically perfect as Soul Blazer is, the game hit me much harder in its story and characters. It's the first game in a long time to make me cry the first time I played it. Dang. I like that this is the community that describes Soul Blazer as holistically perfect. Yes! That makes perfect. <laughs> Accurate. We are! Mentions, 
Silas, the very cool traditional art JRPG that Tom made. One shot, a game I started the day right before the yearly list was due and made me think, oh shit, this might be on my list if I beat it in time, but I didn't want to rush it through to meet the deadline. The Black Lives Matter model on itch.io. This is how I played games like One Shot. Mm. Yeah. Good shit. John, you are so good at reading. Thank you. <laughs> that was the longest list. Holly, I think you <laughs> I think I've got. Ooh, this is. I got us a listener list. I got us another listener list. This one comes from Mix Master, who just started listening to the show. Mix Master says, Hey, it's Max slash Mix Master. I just started listening to the podcast, really, but I thought I may as well participate because sharing a list sounds fun. So without further ado, my games are Post Void. A trippy, fast, and rewarding FPS arcade game that actually got me cha- that actually got me chasing a spot on the leaderboard. Adrenaline shot to my eyeball. Yeah, this game looks super good. I watched uh, Angry Ed play a bit of this and was like, okay, you know what? Because like this is a game that I looked at and was like, I checked out immediately when it said roguelike. Oh, yeah. Uh, but then I watched Angry Ed play it and I was like, oh, this is just kind of more of an arcade game, actually. Next game. This one will make John happy, I'm sure. Extreme Meat Punks Forever. Rad as hell and queer anti-fascist story backed up with some great characters and fun internet speak-like writing. And their final pick is one that I imagine we'll be hearing more about. Hades. The combat is always fresh, with hugely various upgrades, and the story, dialogue, and voice acting is a great motivator to keep on playing. Looking forward to hearing the episode! A fantastic list! Good stuff. Man, these, again... These lists are so fucking packed. Yep. So, uh, our final entry of the day comes to us from our good pal, Psychic Heist, who is just always tearing up the forums, leaving us some good thoughts to think about and things to talk about. Uh, Just overall, awesome part of the community. Love him to death. He's got us a listener audio list, and we are going to begin that journey, because it is a journey. Believe me. (laughs) A little bit longer. A little bit longer. Worth it. (laughs) Worth it. Psychic Heist comes in, and we're going to listen to his list in 3, 2, 1, play. Hello, SoxCast. It's been a year. So, I've decided to shoulder a slice of the weight with this whole Game of the Year thing and read my own shit to you. I want to give your lovely little voice boxes a tiny break. So please, enjoy some rest as I read off my top three video games of the year. It's a very SoxCast influence list. Number three is going to Celeste. Feel like I had a similar experience as Polly did with this one and that I didn't really click with it at first. But after hearing how Polly decided to reconsider Celeste and give it another shot, I decided to go back as well. And around stage two, I was like, oh yeah, this is obviously great. Why was I such a dunce the first go around? The second spot of my game of the year goes to Undertale. But I'm going to put an asterisk beside this, so please keep that in mind. So, Undertale. I believe you all have heard of it. There's nothing I can say that hasn't already been said about the beautiful experience that is Undertale. So, here's a personal anecdote. Late this summer, my 8-year-old and I were playing outside, 
and suddenly I saw a sparkle in his eyes. He quickly came up to me, beckoned me to lower my ear, and whispered to me like it was a secret. Hey, guess what? Undertale's my favorite game. I was instantly charmed. And then I realized that Undertale will become this special memory that he now has between himself, his sister, and I. And he's going to carry that experience for the rest of his life. It kind of reminded me to a memory that I have when I was around the age of nine and playing Earthbound for the first time with my grandmother. So I'm really happy I got to Undertale this year. And I'm kicking myself that I didn't invest in it sooner. But you remember that asterisk I talked about earlier? Well, here's the footnote. I haven't seen the pacifist ending yet. (gasps) I know. We were in the middle of a pacifist run when the power supply to my computer died on us. Oh, no. Fuck. 2020, right? Right. And I've had so much other personal stuff going on that I haven't been able to replace it yet. It has been killing me. Killing me. I hope to have this fixed soon. Now, for my number one game of the year which goes to Hades. Look, I could easily talk about how Hades checks all the boxes for excellent gameplay, story, characters, music, art direction, etc., etc., etc. And I feel like I've already done a little bit of that on the forums. But what I really want to convey about what resonated with me about Hades is not only how it nails Teenage Rebellion, but... It wisely doesn't overlook the complicated relationships of family and where you come from. Hades reminds me of my friends and myself in our late teens, just out of high school, ready to get the fuck out of our hometown, either by moving to a promising new place or going to college. And then when those dreams didn't exactly work out in the way that we imagined them, we find ourselves having to go back to the place and family that raised us, tail tucked between our legs. Of course, having gone through that personally, it is upsetting and very frustrating, but that's only just one layer. There's also something consoling about going back home, checking in on your friendships you've established throughout your life, hitting up that one spot that serves your comfort food you can't find anywhere else, and trying to decipher the true enigma that is your parents. This is what Hades means to me, and it is still capturing my imagination. And really, that's only the start of it. I adore this game. So there you have it. Apologies if my ramblings have put the listeners to sleep. Maybe a blip of death grips will wake everyone back to fuck up. I'd like to add just one more thing, though. Thank you, SoxCast, and thank you, Sox Community, for being a stronghold and a place of refuge during this awful year. You just don't know how these podcasts, the best games of the decade event, and all the music recommendations have helped me get through some shit this year. All my love, Psychic Heist. Woo! Ems the so much, dog. There's so much. There's so much to unpack there, man. I <laughs> I really, really hope you get to see the the the, the pacifist ending in Undertale, and that, that that will definitely shook me. Connecting, you know, connecting with your kids in that way. Like I I had never really thought about it like that before. But that is a very man. 
Yeah, that's a very thought-provoking list in it, in and of itself. <laughs> Giving us yeah. a lot to <laughs> mentally chew on here, PH. Have I mentioned the way yeah. people talk about Hades still seems nuts <sighs> to me as a roguelike? Yeah, right? <laughs> like, yes. There's a it's connection always, to this game that it's just like, we have to know. Yeah, it is funny that that might be like the game that shows up but in the end on the most listener lists and none of us have played it. That's... Oops. Man, I feel like we've I feel like we've done a disservice or something by having not played this game. Oh jeez. It's just the way I look at it and go, oh, it's a roguelike, and then everyone is like, oh, but the story. And I'm like, how do they how do they work a story into a roguelike so well? There's so some... much love and passion around yeah. the story and characters that I see mm. on my feed every single day that one, it's just like, okay, of course I can believe that Supergiant are the ones that made something like that. Two, yeah. how is it a roguelike? <laughs> I literally don't understand. <laughs> like, my brain just can't fit all that in there. Yeah, like, that's kind of like, I think that Hades is going to be the game that we all have to kind of look at ne- over the next year at some point. Because yeah. it's just, it's too ubiquitous. Like, it's too, wow. Yeah. Um, when you think about that list in general being Celeste, Undertale, Hades, God! like, oh, that's, that's, uh, that's some company, huh? God, what a list! <laughs> like, why does everybody in our community literally have the best taste? I know, right? I mean, we, we look, let's let's just give ourselves a pat on the back here. I think we're, <laughs> we're responsible for a lot of... I can't say that, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I think we got a pretty good I'm, cocktail going on. That helps like foster a community of. I think that we foster things. people looking at things like this a little more. Maybe um, they've stood on our shoulders as Newton stood <laughs> those before you. Oh my god! Um, possible physics. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> so with that being our final entry for the first day. I want to throw it back to Rhett for a moment and have him run down his 10 to 6 once more for us before we sign out okay. for the day. Uh, number 10, Symphogear X Drive Unlimited. Number 9, Animal Crossing New Horizons. Number 8, Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp FE. Uh, number 7, One Shot. Number 6, The Wonderful 101. And John, your 10 to 6. Number 10, Toho Luna Nights. Number 9, Ocean Oi and Atom Oi. Number 8, Xenoblade Chronicles. Number 7, Queen's Wish the Conqueror. Number 6, The Reggae Operation. And my 10 to 6 goes a little something like this. My number 10 is Silas. My number 9 is Final Fantasy VII Remake. My number 8 is One Shot. My number 7 is Steins Gate Linear Bounded Phenogram. And my number 6 is Valferis. That is going to wrap day one of our Game of the Year festivities. Of course, thank you again to everybody who sent in lists. You were absolutely wonderful, and we want you to join us again on Christmas Day, where we will wind down the last of the lists. And remember, you fine and beautiful people, we are the podcast that loves you. We are the only ones that love you. (laughs) 